0: Welcome to Focus on Success with Fozzie Acosti. Our program is designed to help you with executive function challenges. Our guest experts offer perspective, experience, and ideas to improve different aspects of your life. Now, here is your host, Fozzie Acosti.
1: Hi, welcome. My name is Fazia Costi, and I'll be your host today. Um, So thank you for listening. I just want to do a quick reminder that we do have Executive Function Magazine launching in January. If that is something that you are interested in uh, receiving, it is a free digital magazine. Feel free to go to my website, executivefunctioncoachaz.com and uh, get yourself a copy of that magazine uh, we've got some amazing writers uh, contributing, um, so it should be an absolutely wonderful resource uh, if you have executive function challenges. Uh, today, we have a wonderful guest. Her name is Jennifer Delaney, and she is going to talk about body-centered exercises that benefit executive function. I'm so excited to have her on because she does some things that are very different than any other guest we've had on the show before. So welcome, Jennifer. Jennifer. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. So tell us a little bit about you. What's your background? What's your, um, how did you get to do what you do? And what is it that you do? What is your actual title? (laughs)
2: Sure, sure. Well, I'll start with my background. I uh, was a professional dancer. And eventually, um, I, I got a master's in writing and I was a writing coach for 12 years. And what I found was that a lot of times people's writer's block went back to some sort of childhood trauma or incident. And so, I got more and more curious about that and wanted to pursue a degree in counseling. So, I got my master's in counseling. And then um, I had experienced brain spotting for myself. And brain spotting is a somatic, a body-centered form of therapy. So, I got certified in that. So, I am a licensed professional counselor in Boulder. I'm practicing only teletherapy. Um, but the the I found, I find that the different modalities that I studied really really benefit my clients. And so I've come up with a good combination.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. and And for those listeners who are not in the United States, Boulder is in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's a very beautiful state. If you've never been there, you should go. Uh, so mm-hmm. thank you very much for for talking a little bit about um, who you are. Um, and and what is Boulder, Boulder like today? Is it lovely? As always, you know, we've been getting a lot of the
2: smoke from the California fires and I feel for those Californians, but today I think is relatively clear. So, and it's like around 95 degrees. It's a little warm for our usual fall temps, but. Wow. Well, you know what? Um, I'm
1: really looking forward to this conversation because as you know, I'm an executive function coach, so anything that can help my clients, um, I'm, I'm all for it. And so, Let's talk a little bit about um, you had talked about the vagus nerve and how stimulating it can improve executive function uh, can we first talk let's talk a little bit about what the vagus nerve is and then talk about how stimulating it can improve executive function
2: sure sure so vagus is a uh, latin for wandering and it's it's a very long nerve that goes from the brain stem um, to the gastrointestinal um, to the gut and, uh, and and it has communication between the two and if you you stimulate that because it has a big influence on on the parasympathetic nervous system which is the calming part of our nervous system but that parasympathetic system oversees a lot of um, important bodily functions like the control of mood and immune response digestion heart rate so when we stimulate that nerve it actually calms us down physiologically, which is important because I do teach a lot of mindfulness exercises that have a benefit, but this is actually something that can override a feeling of threat. A lot of times we feel threatened, even if if someone's not threatening, maybe they remind us of someone from the past. So our body's a little activated. And when we get threatened, we're not thinking as clearly. It's a brain thing. Our our Mm -hmm. fear centers, our, our primal brain starts to hijack the neocortex, the, the you know, rational creative thinking brain. So by stimulating the vagus nerve, which there are exercises that are super simple, and I have my clients do them maybe three times a day um, if they're dealing with a lot of anxiety. So by doing that, the learning brain can stay on online instead of the survival brain.
1: Yeah, that that flight or flight instinct is so strong in so many people. Um, that I, I agree with you. I think, I think learning how to control that a little bit better is, is an awesome tool to have. So um, how is it that um, the mind, let's talk a little bit about the difference between the mind and the brain so that people understand more um, of what we're talking about as we continue this conversation
2: sure, so so, the brain is, of course, a physical organ, and um it's it's split into three parts. they I mean, this is one way of looking at it. It's called the triune brain, and the the newer part of the brain, the neocortex, is our rational, our computing, our creative, our it's where the language centers are. Um, in that neocortex. And then there's two other parts of the brain that are the middle brain is the limbic brain. And then there's the, by the brainstem, the neck area, there's the uh, reptilian brain. And those two parts of the brain, I refer to as the primal brain. And they are outside of language. They're even outside of time. And that's where trauma and really frightening incidents get stored. So we don't have access to them as far as language goes. And sometimes they're not even conscious because they might be even pre-verbal before we had language. Um, so, at any rate, the, the 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 mind is is a manifestation of thought and and of memory and imagination and perception of emotion. So emotion is actually from the, the deep primal brain, but our mind wants to make sense of the world. So based on our biases and our experiences and our background we're interpreting the world and we're creating feelings. So that's kind of a differentiation between emotion and feelings. But the mind is, is really trying to keep up with what the heck is happening <laughs> in the deep brain. So I find that as people learn how to calm, especially if they've had a difficult background, because, you know, people think of trauma as PTSD as like one bad thing had to happen when often it's accumulative of being forgotten at school or, you know, someone shouting at you or criticizing you. And, and, and so this, this cumulative trauma gets, gets kind of starts to have us be hypervigilant. It, it ha- has us being overreactive. And so the more we can calm ourselves, whether it's vagal maneuvers, mindfulness, um, the less likely we're going to end up having to take medication for that specific things so that's you know that's a little bit of a difference between the two wow um
1: so do you work with children as well as adults or
2: do you just i'm primarily working with adults um with childhood trauma and often they don't even know they have it they might come to me referred by um, an attorney for a car accident and the car accident um will work with with the brain spotting on getting them to drive past the site of the incident But ultimately, what starts to happen is if the car accident felt like a bully coming at them, they're going to suddenly start processing their childhood trauma. They're going to be like, oh, my gosh. You know, so, um, yeah.
1: (laughs) And do you have a lot of people that come to you with like numerous childhood traumas to work through? Um, Or is it usually just one or two?
2: They're coming to me because it's because I, the trauma that I you know I most people have trauma, and it's cumulative. and it's manifesting in relationships that are disruptive. Um, it's manifesting in, you know, watching too much Netflix, <laughs> you know, like wanting to shut down or cope in a way that's that's not necessarily the way they'd want to be coping. So it's usually when they're feeling out of control in some way. And that usually relates to, because again, trauma can be pre-verbal. So, it relates to all, all these experiences. And, and we don't have to like, like talk therapy or psychoanalysis where you go through every single thing for 20 years. This is a very, um, I, I don't like to say quick because some people were there two years or, or, you know, depending on the degree of trauma. But it is much, much faster because you're, you're taking, you're working with the deep brain, which is outside linear thought. So at any rate, um, you know, it just depends on the individual. Some people might only have one or two and they're, they're fine in 10 sessions and then other people might be around for a couple of years clearing stuff out. Okay. Thank you. That's, that's mm-hmm. very interesting. Um,
1: why is it that we might have good intentions and then fail
2: at achieving them? Sure. Well, again, our good intentions are coming from that that newer part of the brain that came along when we were humans. That uh, and and unfortunately, that's not usually who's driving the bus. <laughs> it's usually the deep brain, the primal brain. And so, if there are things stored, these 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 um, these moments that really create a lot of fear for us, these voices that are very critical. Then then they they want us to survive. Now that this gets complicated because people think, Well, you know, why can't I just think my way out of Out of something, but unfortunately, if they what they've known is abuse, then what the deep brain will perpetuate is abuse because it's what they know. So it's kind of a backwards thing because our mind thinks, I want to do this, and the brain is afraid, No, 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 if you do that, you might put yourself out in front of too many people. And so it's creating a survival pattern, so we're not seeing the world. Accurately, we're seeing it efficiently. The brain that wants to keep us safe and keep us alive, but sometimes it's also keeping us in a box. So, so there's a conflict going on between what's happening subconsciously, and you know, subconscious used to be a vague term, but now with neuroscience, they're understanding what's happening in that primal brain. So, it, so as we calm down the primal brain, um, you know, in the different ways that that I that I do and therapists, somatic therapists do then we can come into alignment with our good intentions of our mind. The brain almost sounds like an uh, overprotective parent that says,
1: no, you cannot go outside to play because you might get hurt.
2: That's it. You got (laughs) it. That's a perfect analogy. (laughs) You know,
1: yeah, it's very interesting. Um, Let's talk a little bit about how these symptoms manifest. You said earlier, that uh these symptoms manifest in their relationships and in different areas. So if somebody's listening to you right now and and they are thinking, you know what, I might have some trauma in my background, what kind of symptoms would they be having that they can say, Yes, I've identified this. I know I have some trauma and I know I need to go see somebody. What what, sure, what would they look I, for?
2: You know. Um, there is a whole list. If people look up, it's really great to look up. And I'm trying to remember, I think it's out of the fog. It's either out of the storm or out of the fog. Um, There's, there's a website that really lists uh, symptoms of complex trauma. Complex trauma is also known as CPTSD, complex PTSD or developmental trauma. So, so people could read, uh, you know, lots of lists related to that. Um, But Generally, it's going to be that they um, overreact. Like instead of, gosh, that that only deserved about a two out of ten in anger, and I went ten out of ten on them. You know, so so it's usually an overreaction in the body or or a lot of anxiety just coming up out of out of the deep brain for sure. Um, so there's there's a pattern that happens that I think would be really interesting and helpful maybe in terms of that question, and it's that. Um, love can feel threatening to people. So, we all think we want love, but if we haven't, if we haven't developed it, the neural networks for it, um, there's a lot in, in Oprah's new book with Dr. Bruce Perry, What Happened to You. Um, that book's amazing. It's my favorite book right now. Um, but they talk about, you know, if you haven't experienced love, you don't have the neural networks to know what it is. So, we're kind of bumping around like bumper cars trying to figure out what love is, you know, but it can be developed. Um, especially as we work through our trauma, that can be developed. So I know I'm going off on a bit of a tangent, but I know I love it. Oh, okay. Please, please continue. I love it. I love tangents. <laughs> okay. Well, no, but you know, it. I think one of the symptoms is that, gosh, I I don't know what love is. I keep picking un unavailable people. You know, and we're kind of mad at the people that we've picked. But really, it's a lot of times the people. And I, you know, I can speak from personal experience. I'm finally able to accept love, and I'm 61. You know, but it took a while. But but um, really. I realize now that those unavailable people felt comfortable to me. So that's why I focused on the relationships because that's where usually we don't realize what part we're playing and what part our survival programming is playing because it knows what's comfortable. And so um, that could, that's a big part of how it manifests.
1: Yeah. And and I think it's really interesting how we go through life and people, People know. I mean, they know when they're overreacting to something. They know when they're not quite in the right place. But you're right when you said they blame the other person. It's hard to look inward. It's really hard to look at yourself and admit that you're not where you need to be. And It's hard, a very hard thing.
2: Yeah, to have compassion. Here we are. So one of the things I learned in BrainSpotty and I absolutely love and I tell every client is I don't pathologize as disorder. It's a phenomena, a a phenomenon, you know, it's, 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 how we've learned with our brains that we have to respond to the world. So if we can begin to not see it, oh, this is a big problem that we have to you know, fix, but instead be curious detectives about what's happening for me right now. And that's why I love that book, um, Oprah's book, because you know the question, what, what's, what happened to me rather than what's wrong with me, is going to allow a huge amount of compassion for this human experience that can be super hard.
1: Right. I remember when I was a kid, somebody once said, you know, when you're a kid, you can you can basically blame your parents for things because they're in control. <laughs> but once you become an adult, <laughs> it's all yours, regardless of what your parents did, It's your responsibility to fix those things. And I think taking accountability and, and, and really seeking out the right therapist and the right therapy for you is important so that you can get to where you need to be. And have the life that you
2: want to have. Yeah. And I always say to people, it's not about blaming parents because I love, you know, people think therapy is about pointing backwards and that's that's it. Then you're done. But it's really about looking at how we got created. Again, I love the word curious. How did I get created? And parents are only working with whatever tools they have. And yes, in our therapy, we might get angry at them or angry at our circumstances. But ultimately what's happened is, is that we've carried those People, We can move across the nation, move to another country, and we've carried them with us, you know, and so to perpetuate what we know. And boy, we want to break those cycles so we can meet our in- intentions, you know, so we can have all of those executive function <laughs> synapses working out. Yeah. Well, I, I, As you're talking, I was thinking of,
1: about a client that I saw um, about, I don't know, several months back, and, and when she came to me, um, she basically said, um, she's in her thirties and when she left home, um, her parents never addressed any of her challenges did not the executive function or the anxiety or anything. Oh, they just didn't yeah. address anything. So she's trying to take care of these things as an adult. And she said, yeah, when oh. she left home, all her parents did is say, oh, and by the way, you need to get your own insurance and you need to have good insurance. Cause you have oh. this, this, and this you need to work on. Mm-hmm. And so she had this anger towards her, her parents, but the reality yeah. is, you know, it's now her, her issue and she needs to own it and she needs to take care of it. And if she wants to have a good relationship with her parents, she's probably got to work on that anger.
2: <laughs>
1: so sure. yeah, it's a, it's and a I, very and
2: challenging situation. Oh yeah. I mean, I've had people say, I mean, how much of an excuse is trauma for bad behavior? <laughs> I did a whole YouTube on that one, you know, because, <laughs> <laughs> because it's not, it's, it's not an excuse sorry that was my trauma and run people over you know but but the problem is is nobody understands the nervous system and what's happening so they they're trying to control trauma with their neocortex their rational brain when it's completely in the deep brain and irrational so so um
1: that's why we're always saying i'm sorry because i i didn't have control over that and And then there's the argument, it came out of your mouth. So you must have had control over it. I know, I know. And then there's shame.
2: So there's a big cycle of, you know, then we feel ashamed and then we beat ourselves up and then we cope and then we go back to doing the same thing. And there's no, so this is why the exercises interject right in the beginning, an ability to notice oh my gosh, uh, I am really charged up right now. You start to feel it coming. (laughs) You start Mm -hmm. to feel that 10 out of 10 coming. So it doesn't become this, well, you should take responsibility, shame thing. It becomes, I want to take responsibility and now I have some tools.
1: Yes, and I think that's what it's all about is having the right tools and having the recognition. You know, being able to recognize that this is something that happens and then being able to do something about it. I think those...
2: Those two things are very important. Yeah, Um, and knowing that you're dealing with something real. Nobody would expect someone with a broken leg to run a marathon, but nobody seems to have any understanding for what complex trauma is and how it's a real thing. It's, you know, it's, I mean, it's just, Well, as a society, I think
1: (laughs) you're right. When you see a broken leg, it's obvious. It's right there in your face. You can see it. You can logically understand how it impairs somebody. Exactly. But if you don't have knowledge about how the brain works or how trauma works, how mm-hmm. can you? How, how can you say anything? How can you understand it? So it makes sense. So I, I think the fact that you're coming on today and talking about this, um, I, I love that you're willing to educate people and help them get to that next level. You know, I really, truly appreciate right. this.
2: I get so excited when I see a public figure like like Simone Biles. Pointing to this because people are scratching their heads, going, "We'll just get over it." <laughs> you have a team over it, you know what I mean? They, there's so little understanding for what's happening in the brain to hijack any good intentions. And by the way, I, I saw that her new website's going to be called "Don't Flip Out." <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so trauma education, uh, trauma informed in our schools, in our prisons, in our um, you know everywhere. I really want people to begin to understand because there's a way to change it. And that's what's right. so exciting to me. So I'm all about like I want because I believe microcosm mimics macrocosm. So if we can in our families begin to calm our nervous systems down and actually engage peacefully with conflict, the world will heal. <laughs> so I get excited.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I agree with you. I think that's absolutely fabulous. You know, and and um, you actually do quite a few speaking engagements uh, nationally as well as internationally for different organizations. Yes. If somebody wanted to have you come speak to maybe their company or their organization, how would they get in touch with you?
2: Either, um, you know, Jen at JenniferDelaney.com. They can, you know, have a contact page there uh, there or um, actually that's my email. (laughs) But my Jennifer Delaney website has a contact page as well. um, Or my phone number 720-480-5145. And your, um, your website is just jenniferdelaney.com?
1: Yes, that refers okay. to my website, yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah, I just yes. wanted to clarify that for our listeners so that they can sure. uh, go and take a look. And, and if um, you know they'd like more information, they can contact you. Uh, now do you work remotely with individuals so would you be willing to see anybody from across the country across
2: the world who 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 would you be willing to see I am able to because our you know my license has certain limitations but um, since covid 19 they've been, they've expanded it to include the US I'm looking into because I do have people contacting me if uh, I can do the international work so I'm I'm looking into that
1: yeah no, I think what you have to offer is absolutely fabulous and and I, I love the approach that you have. You have this non-judgmental, really professional um, take on on what you do and and I love that because uh, it, when I talk to you, I never felt like you were judging anybody. You just genuinely want to help and and I really would love to see you do more international and national work because I think what you do is fabulous. so um Thank you. Let's go ahead. And- yeah, absolutely. I, I, I truly do think what you do is fabulous. Um, let's talk a little bit about anxiety. We're taking a break here in, in about three minutes, but okay. how do you describe anxiety to
2: your clients? Well, usually I I compare it to a ball of tangled necklaces or or (laughs) earbud cord or you know earphones or whatever cords we have going on, you know anxiety is is just a lot of emotion that has finally just overwhelmed the system. So usually when I'm working with someone, they'll begin to realize, oh my gosh, I was sad about this, and I'm angry about this, and I'm frustrated. And our culture does not teach us how to navigate emotion well. We divide them up into good and bad emotions when really anger, if we do it well and catch it soon enough, can, can allow us to draw good boundaries and can allow us to advocate and have a voice. And, and so, so there each emotion really has a gift, but we've not been taught right. how to do them. So we just stuff them. So that's, that's a lot of, you know, if we unpack that, then we'll understand anxiety. Well, I, I think like when your body
1: has pain, it tells you there's something wrong with your body that you need to do something, you know, if your mm-hmm. leg hurts or muscles pulled, You you need to take care of that. I think anxiety is your mind's way of telling you something's not quite right and you need to take care of it. Sure. You know? Absolutely. And so I I think what you're doing is is right on. Um, We're going to take a break here in about a minute and a half. And what I want to talk about when we come back is um, mindfulness, how to reduce anxiety, and also brain spotting. I'd like you to define that. We can talk about that a little bit more uh, when we come back from the break. Um, so, I really want to thank you for being on the show and thank you for giving your information for anyone who'd like to contact you. And if you would like to contact me, my uh, website is executivefunctioncoachaz.com. You can also call me for a free consultation at 480 648 1122. And don't forget to go ahead and um, subscribe to our new magazine, Executive Function Magazine. We have some amazing writers uh, writing on a variety of topics that are very pertinent to today's um, life in today's world. And so um, that you can also register at going to my website. Once again, that is executivefunctioncoachaz.com. And we'll be back after these messages.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
3: If you are struggling with organization, time management, or other executive functions, Bozzi Acosti is ready to put you on the path to success. Visit ExecutiveFunctionCoachAZ.com. Fozzie works with in person clients at her Phoenix, Arizona office or with clients anywhere across the country remotely. Mention that you heard this ad from the Focus on Success radio show and receive a free initial consultation with Fozzie, plus $50 off an intake evaluation, a $300 value. Visit Executive Function Coach or call 480 648 1122. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
0: You are listening to Focus on Success. To reach Fazia Kosti or her guest on the live show, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Fazia at executive function coach Now, back to focus on success.
1: Hi, welcome back. I'm Fazia Costi and I'm your host. Um, today we have Jen Delaney, and she is an absolutely wonderful. Um, individual. She's a therapist in Boulder, Colorado, and today she's talking about body-centered exercises that benefit executive function. So, welcome back. Thank you. Welcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I love what you do. Um, So, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about, can we start with mindfulness, for example? Would that be a good place to start? Sure, absolutely. Okay. So let's talk about what is mindfulness. Everyone talks about
2: mindfulness. We have to be mindful, but what does it really mean? Sure. So mindfulness actually is, it's interesting because it's actually very body centered. <laughs> it's, it's all about coming into present time. And I like to say that we are a bit of time travelers because sometimes we're in the past with a, with a bad memory or, or something that happened to us that pulls us all the way back. I mean, our heart rates are going, we're no longer in the present time. So we're either time traveling back or forward with worst case scenario. And there goes our body, you know, flipping out again. So (laughs) I love that we're time traveling. (laughs) So, so actually mindfulness is is helping us land here on this planet. And so there are exercises that just help us um, come back, like feeling your feet, uh, feeling your feet on the ground, you know feeling your your butt on the seat, you know just that can can suddenly help people go, "Oh, here I am you know <laughs> because our mind we're really walking around heads without a body, you know um, and and so mindfulness brings us back to the body and the body brings us present time and and yeah. just being in our senses can is a way that we can come back and be mindful. Um, what am I tasting right now? What am I hearing? what am I smelling? I love essential oils. It brings people right back to the present. And then they realize, wait a minute, I'm not, you know, I'm not getting interviewed in the future or I'm not reliving something in the past.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, it's funny as you were talking about being mindful and being aware of your surroundings, being aware of your body, you know, I was thinking I tend to walk through my house barefoot
3: Mm -hmm. because
1: I like the feel of the tile on my feet. Yeah. I, I, I like the idea of knowing, you know, am I walking on carpet? Am I on tile? Am I, you know, where yes. am I, where am I in my home? It, it really does help ground me. So I think that's a wonderful, uh, wonderful thing. Um, how does mindfulness help individuals reduce anxiety
2: Well, or can it? Well, yeah, sure. Because again, relating to that, that, uh, Time travel, you know, analogy. <laughs> Anxiety, people are rarely present. Time. Their mind is is because they've been hurt, it it's hypervigilant. So we want to be vigilant. We want to get out of the way if a car's coming. <laughs> but, but we don't want to think that every car is coming at us, you know. So, but unfortunately, if we've been hurt in the past by a relationship, by parents, whatever our mind tends to be a lot more hypervigilant. And so so everything's feeling so much bigger to to the body. And and that's why um, coming back to present time again and again and again can be so efficient to starting to update the brain. I'm all about, you know, uh, it's gotta be, on the most current uh, program, you know, because we're living in all this survival programming. So so mindfulness can kind of update and update again until people's brain starts to believe them and starts to calm down.
1: So what would be a
2: helpful activity that somebody could use to maybe
1: reduce their anxiety um, on a regular basis?
2: Yeah, I'm going to go back to the vagus nerve, because if we stimulate that nerve, it's bringing on board the calming part of the nervous system. So it's not it's a physiological override. So it's not just a mindfulness override. So it's as simple as holding a cold glass of water or putting your hands in ice. If you're really triggered or anxious, put your hands in ice and you'll be shocked to find how calm the body gets. Um, It slows the heart rate a little bit, slows the breathing rate. And so then what happens is if your body suddenly calms down, then the mind calms down because they kind of get each other worked up. Usually, usually people think it's the mind that's in anxiety, but more often than not, because we're animals, we pick up on other people, the strongest nervous system in the room wins. So if your your body suddenly picks up on someone who's anxious, it'll get anxious and then your mind will start making up stories. (laughs) It's just amazing, you know? So, so we want to have exercises like the cold. Cold is great. Cool rag on the face, um, licking lips, humming. The, the vagus nerve runs through the throat. So humming and oming and and chanting and any kind of humming, hum your favorite song, um, that, that can stimulate the vagus nerve as well. There's another exercise. You want to plug your nose like you're going to pop your ears. And at the same time, you bear down like you're having a baby. Or for men, I say <laughs> like you're taking a big poop. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I know. But really, no, this works. You do it five times. You plug your nose. Let's do one together. Here we go. Even though it's radio. Okay. Let's do it. And if you do that five times, you'll suddenly notice like you feel like a beautiful tingling river running through the body and it's telling your body that you're okay. You're going to be okay. So then, then it calms the mind down so that, that those are some good, good ways to calm the all, mind down.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it it really distracts you from whatever you're thinking about. <laughs>
2: it does but heart doctors recommend the, this this bad activity to slow the heart so so oh, really? these are the, yeah these are coming these are coming out of the medical world but you know there's been some people lately um who are really giving attention to it and so it's now being integrated into the neuroscience and into the psychology world <laughs> wow that's truly fascinating
1: um that's, that's really fascinating. Um, let's go ahead and start talking about brain spotting. What is oh, sure. brain spotting?
2: It, is, it was created about 25 years ago by a guy named David, Dr. David Grand. And he was working with um, a ice skater who could not do a triple turn of some sort. And um, he was working with the technique EMDR. And EMDR is another uh, body-centered form and he had also studied from the originator of another form another technique and what he realized was when he held a single spot the girl's eyes were wobbling and she was silent for 10 minutes and when she came out she was blinking a lot she started talking about some criticism from her past that really really got to her and she started crying and she went and did a triple turn, right? So he's like, hmm, there's something in this single spot. So we use a pointer um, and we use bilateral music. People can use bilateral music without being in therapy. It, look it up. It's just music that goes back and forth from ear to ear. But in the process of doing the bilateral music and having that single focal point that we find together, because where you look affects how you feel. So as I scan someone's vision, after they've told me, gosh, I've been really anxious at work, they'll be like, oh, wow, right there, right there. That's the spot. <laughs> they'll know, you know. And so, so we find the spot. I have the bilateral music going. And then I ask them, what's going on in your body right now? And people have the strangest symptoms come up. Um, you know, headaches and back pain, and, and it's all gone by the end of the session. But, the, but a lot of, because the deep brain is where we store uh, information about pain and trauma, and it, it's being led, the body actually leads us to the release. So, brain spotting is what I would say, you know, encapsulated is a body-centered form of therapy that accesses, um, releases, integrates, neutralizes experience. So that things that are charged are no longer charged. Wow. Absolutely amazing. I love it because it even accesses yeah. stuff. So you don't have to know. You don't have to go, oh, at age five, blah, blah, blah. You know, you don't always, people don't always know why stuff's coming up, why they're bawling their eyes out. But I've also worked with yeah. people with autism that don't necessarily identify emotionally and they'll be completely physical. They'll be, they'll be hunched over and shaking and, and by the end, a lot will have resolved. Wow. It's amazing. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I'm so excited. So, it's nice <laughs> to have something that works.
1: <laughs> yeah. So you had said earlier that it's a somatic form of therapy. What does somatic mean
2: exactly? And, you know, somatic just is, the, um, it's, 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 a, it's a word for body. Soma is body.
3: I think it's great.
2: I meant, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah.
1: (laughs) It's a great word, but not everybody knows what it means. It's really important that we we describe, you know, what we're talking about. Um, Why are these somatic forms helpful in treating anxiety?
0: I
2: think because the mind is usually making anxiety worse with stories, whether it's worst case scenario or or memories, or the mind has a hard time getting out of its own loops. And so when we can work with what's happening in the body, really acknowledging body experience without having to go, I wonder why my back hurts. We don't question Mm -hmm. it. It's a very stream of conscious experience. So when people are led, it's not a hypnosis or anything, but it's a little bit um, tr- like trance-like. And so when they're really um, you know, working from a body-centered place, it's working with that part of the deep brain where trauma gets encapsulated. And, and then what people find is their physiology is calmer, so they're making up less stories. That, so it's actually affecting the mind.
1: So when you say we make up stories or they're making up stories, what kind of stories do people
2: make up? Oh, that's such a good question. Yeah. It's not just random stories, you know, but a lot of times our fear creates our reality. So, so um, if we have a fear of women, because maybe our mom beat us um, every woman will look dangerous to our Mm -hmm. body, not our mind, our mind goes, no, that's my boss. I know she's not dangerous, but on some level, we're still afraid of her because of what we've experienced. So she might have a look that has nothing to do with you. And you're like, oh my God, I've disappointed her, you know? And so the stories are based on our, our, our biases and our past experience and our trauma. So as we, I've had this happen and as people get rid of their trauma, they're suddenly making a bunch of female friends, <laughs> you know, it's because right. they didn't even realize what their, what was happening because it was so outside of their conscious understanding. Right and it, and you can't
1: really work on something that you're not aware of that's that's it that's it. It's so disempowering absolutely, absolutely yeah, that's just wow, just wow um so what what makes somatic form so helpful when treating anxiety trauma and other ailments um that impede executive function
2: sure, so I think anxiety gets in the way because of course you're that primal part of the brain is kind of hijacking the newer brain right. and and so um, we're not in our learning brain we're in our survival brain and so there's lots of different things that could affect our thinking so as, as we have compassion for that sometimes we you know you don't always require therapy for every single thing but But allowing ourselves to have a curious mentality rather than a pathologizing mentality that says, this is a problem and there's a disorder and I need to fix it. So, it's that curiosity that will lead us to our own answers. Because if we're curious, then the creative brain comes back on and helps us know what the next step is to take. Yeah. So um, let's go back to talking about
1: brain spotting a little bit. Um, are there okay. aspects of brain spotting that our listeners can maybe integrate into their lives right now? What are some mm-hmm. things that they could do right now? We, we have about 10 minutes left. So um, let's go ahead and talk about some actual techniques that they can use. Okay. I know we talked about a few, but let's,
2: sure. yeah, and, and the,
1: yeah, and if there's something else you'd like to add, feel free to do so.
2: Okay, that sounds great. Um, There was one thing I wanted to add before I circle back around to, to to, to other exercises that would be helpful to integrate. And that is that what people don't realize is that, so for threatened, the first thing that goes down is our social nervous system. And that's our laughing and our connecting and our smiling and the things that make each people feel comfortable with each other, that kind of shuts down and we're waiting. And then if we feel further threatened, and again, a threat isn't always what's actually happening accurately. It's what our mind is interpreting. We go into fight or flight, right? So we get into that kind of uh, sympathetic nervous system. It's very activated. It's very like, I got a Take action, you know. And then, if we still feel threatened, we'll go into something that's freeze. Because the people always talked about fight or flight, but there's also the right. freeze. Yeah. And so, freeze mode is a real dissociation. We just completely shut down, and that's where a lot of children spend time is in dissociation. And people don't realize that they're are you looking at me? Are you are you listening to me? You know, and the kid's completely dissociated because their survival brain has totally hijacked their learning brain. Bye bye gone, you know. And so, right, so that and it's kind so overwhelming perc- they can't deal with it. It is, and ironically, it's actually kind of not a malfunction because, of course, everything our brain does is for survival reasons. But it's act it's a Um, an aspect of our calming part of the brain. It's when someone, you know, faints or or freezes, or it's it's when it floods out, it can no longer help us anymore. So Mm -hmm. anyway, that's, you know, freeze is an important one to keep in mind, because we often think of the fight or flight But but having compassion for those moments when you're like I don't feel a darn thing around this person you know I'm gone (laughs) what's happening here you know and exploring that a little bit can be helpful so I think taking from brain spotting the bilateral music would be the number one thing the more you can kind of listen to that it it stimulates the parasympathetic Um, and so that that's a huge one. How can somebody
1: get that? How can somebody access that type of music?
2: YouTube bilateral B I L A T E R A L yeah and if you look at BrainSpot and bilateral music it'll probably be a little more uh, closer you know to what you want but there's EMDR bilateral music um, it's different than binaural beats but it, and it's a little simpler in a way but that can be s- super calming. Uh, and, and really starting to have an invitation to communicate with your body because your body is your inner child. So, the, in, the inner child wants acknowledgement. It wants protection. So, if we start to acknowledge, rather than being an opponent, like, now I have back pain stupid body you know that's what we do to our poor bodies when it's actually going no you just repressed a bunch of anger about that thing that just happened it's trying to tell it give us messages pain they've discovered pain is a little more complicated than we realize there are no pain receptors in the body it's all brain created and you'll probably notice that when you cut yourself and you don't know you cut yourself and you look at it, it happened to me the other day and then it hurts. i looked at <laughs> oh that's because my, the brain finally acknowledges, right? It didn't. It, so it's a very interesting thing we're beginning to learn, even about pain. So, so by by really listening to the body instead of being an opponent and being like, "Oh, you're so tired right now." Let's see where do I feel tension. Um, and sitting, sitting with the body and just acknowledging it, journaling, journaling about the body a little bit is terrific. Letting it have a conversation. You could even do left hand or I should say non-dominant um, hand, being the body talking to you, the child talking to you and, and letting the dominant hand talk. Um, Can you give us an example
1: of what that might look like? Like, well, sure. somebody write? Yeah.
2: Like I'm. I'm tired I don't want to go <laughs> like you know very basic because it's not easy to write with the non dominant hand so so and 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 then the other hand might be like well but but we I thought you wanted to to go see them no I don't like how they're mean to me you know it's like you start getting all sorts of insights and we just don't let ourselves have a little bit of conscious complaining you know even 5 minutes a day of uncensored I don't want to do this I'm tired you know, allowing there to be a little bit of an ability to just be human, you know, and not have to always be meeting some sort of impossible standard or perfectionism, or it gets exhausting to do what the primal brain wants us to do. So if we can start being curious, compassionate, those, are, those, those will take people a long way. Not only, you know, about our, our, what's happening for us overall, but just with our body, it'll give us some answers. Wow.
1: Um, yeah, this is this has really been helpful. I, I love that you've given us so many examples. I, I love that you've um, you've given us so much um, valuable information for individuals to um, even use on their own. Um, is there anything else that you would like to add? Um, we've got just a few more minutes, and then sure. we can close it up.
2: Okay. You know, I really want to do a shout out for Dr. Ariel Schwartz. She's a psychologist oh, sure. in Boulder. Who's extremely well known, and um, she does have a complex PTSD workbook that's wonderful. So, if people are curious about, gosh, do I even have it, or I think I do have it? How can I work through some of these things? You know, I think that workbook would be wonderful. Okay, and uh, well, I do lots of YouTube's calming YouTubes. Um, that so, that, how would somebody
1: can- get in touch with your? youtube uh channel do you have a youtube by channel By searching,
2: oh yeah i have a channel with lots of videos and and just by searching jennifer delaney boulder colorado lic- you know licensed professional counselor they'll find me okay i write a weekly um, blog as well if people want to subscribe and and how would they get a hold of the blog just by how going to jennifer De- immediately there'll be a page that pops up um that where they could subscribe Okay. So that's on your website. Okay. Beautiful.
1: Yes. Okay. Wonderful. Um, all right. So would you like to give everybody your contact information one last time? Sure. And then we will close it out.
2: Yes. Uh, my email is Jen, J E N at Jenniferdelaney.com. And my phone number is 720-480-5145. And I'm happy to set up uh, you know, a free 20 minute consult.
1: Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much for that. And once again, uh, Jennifer Delaney's website is jenniferdelaney.com. If you have any questions, feel free to take her up on that free consultation. If you want to look at her YouTube channel and get some information there, um, you can also get that information through her website. So um, I really do appreciate you coming on the show. It's been an absolute wonderful experience for me. And I hope that... um, you know, our listeners got a lot out of it, and I really do appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Thank so, you, Fozzie. Um,
2: I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. So um, once again, I, I just want to remind everybody that the first um, the first Wednesday of every month, we have our um, Parenting Pulse uh, series, and that's with Mackenzie Douglas and Dr. Sarah Bald. This coming month, um, we are going to be talking about modeling, modeling appropriate behavior for your children. So make sure you come and join us for that. Uh, Our Executive Function Magazine is launching January 10th of uh, this coming year. And so if you'd like to get a copy of that, make sure that you go ahead and go to the website and sign up for it. It's a free magazine. It's digital and it's quarterly. So... We have a wealth of information coming uh, from that as well. You can go to the website. Once again, that's executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Make sure you register for that. And also, once you get that email, make sure you confirm the email because that's how they know that I didn't sign you up for it. So uh, make sure that you get that email. And um, if you'd like a free consultation with me, you can call me at 480-648-1122 and we'll... um, talk to you next week. Have a wonderful day.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Focus on Success. Please join your host, Fazia Acosti for another program next Wednesday at noon Eastern time and 9 a.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again, have a great week.